welcome to episode number 12 of the Modern Agile Show. It's been a long time since I've been here. I know that. I'm really sorry. We redecorated the office a little bit. And I am thrilled to have uh, Laura Klein here. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. Uh, we go back several years now, right? It's it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And you've <laughs> I mean, we're both so young. I you know we've been right. we were it's children. Hard, yes. hard to tell. Hard to say. Aged at all, right? <laughs> and and you've written you've written like several books since we first met. But you know they're you know what do they take like a week two weeks to turn out? You're, you're amazing. Trivia. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I admire you because I know that you do the walking desk thing. <laughs> you've written two books as you've been like walking. It's actually now hard for me to type while standing still. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> well, I have, we, I, I've told you this, I, I managed to screw up my back about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's like, as, oh, you're getting old. Do. I'm like, nah, I screwed it up in my 20s. Um, and uh, so it's actually easier for me uh, to stand or walk. Uh, or lie down, but I don't really have like a lying down desk yet because yeah. I didn't want to fully give in. <laughs> it seemed like just admitting defeat. Yes, yes. yes. Well, I'm very impressed. And so your <laughs> your latest book, Build Better Products. Yes, and it should be said aggressively, Build Better Products. Build Better Products. <laughs> a modern approach to building successful user-centered products. Yes. So yes. I love that. Um, certainly the modern things and I use the same word why did you say modern approach um so I I very much believe in user-centered design I yes. love user-centered design I was doing user-centered design though um, in the 90s when everything was waterfall because mm-hmm. that is what largely we had what we had um, yeah, and there were there were no metrics in the 90s because what would that even mean <laughs> I mean like oh I shipped so some, I mean you had metrics like how many CD-ROMs did you ship to yeah. someone yeah um, but really, that was about all you got. Yeah. So we um, just didn't. We didn't do any insight. We we we, we, there, we we did a lot of. I mean, we did a lot of qualitative stuff, and yeah. I'm still for a lot of the qualitative stuff. I don't mm-hmm. want to lose that. You know, mm-hmm. the the point is not to get all you know modern and data driven and right. lose all the talking to human right. bits because that's right. important. But um, yeah, I wanted something that was still user centered, but that was also data influenced and mm-hmm. um, that took into account things like you know. Hey, we can ship continuously now. Hey, right. we can build very small things and then build them. We don't have to like, we don't have to launch a giant thing and just throw it out into the world and hope it does well. Too much risk. Yeah. So, Way too much risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so all of that's in there. So it's it's very much about um, user centered. It's very much about continuous product evolution. Yes. Yes. And and about focusing both on the user and then also the, the whole first section, and believe me, this was widely debated um, with my editor and publisher, the, the whole first section is about um, understanding the company's needs. Because right. I, I also think that we should make products that make money. That's right. I know it's revolutionary though. Yeah, but that I mean, is, still that is. It's, it's actually amazing. You can actually build a product that mm-hmm. makes nothing but makes a lot of people happy, except that how do you stay in business? Yes. So yes. Well, I mean, VC subsidies. Right. I mean, I should have. That should have been like chapter thirteen. You know, right. just okay. And now, the real story. Here's how to get VCs to subsidize your lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew how to do that, that would be a different book. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you're you live in Silicon Valley. You know this. I should learn very it. Well. Seems like I've had time to learn. So, um, all right. So first, a couple of gifts for you. Um, we have several gifts. Here's a modern agile sticker. Very nice. 
Here's one for your refrigerator, mm -hmm. a magnet, and then it. here's a button. Um, and for me to put on my denim jacket. Yes, or my we're working on those. I um, love it. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about Modern Agile mm -hmm. and your book, and just just chat in general since it's been a while. Yeah, this um, this also is. I mean, mine has five steps in it, the book, uh -huh. but they're Roughly very similar. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they map very nicely. What are your five? Um, <laughs> well, it's it's technically six, but the last one was just iterate. So, uh, the acronym that I used to um, remember it is GECVAMI. Oh, that's easy the, to remember. Sure, yeah, GECVAMI. Um, I like to picture I saw it that. as like yeah, a, a Roman gecko. It's like a gecko on <laughs> a toga. Um, I keep trying to get Kate to this, draw me these, one of these, those. Yeah, the, yeah. So you have to define your goal. Yes. Um, you have to have empathy for the user and understanding the user. Mm -hmm. um, you have to create something. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, yes. You want to validate it. So you're validating all of your assumptions. You're not just you know you're not just creating things and like you know you're creating something to validate it. Um, and you're validating by measuring it. Yep. And then you're iterating. Okay. Because and literally the, the iterating section is one page right which is, okay go back right. to the beginning and start over and yeah. preferably buy a new book for it because it's really it works better mm -hmm. if you always start with a fresh book right right okay so let's 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 <laughs> go through those real quick though so it's define your goal mm -hmm. and empathize with the user those are the first two mm -hmm. and the, the idea is that you have to sort of you know match those up so that right you're building something that makes the users life better yes and makes them i like this is the make people awesome make thing, people right? awesome yes that's the make people awesome yeah. in a way that you know is beneficial to your company. Right, because you can't, I mean, you really can't do make, you can't implement make people awesome if you're not empathizing and if you're not really having a, a clear goal yeah. on what, yeah. what like, you're building. This is the problem that, that people have that we as a company care about fixing for them. Right. Right, that's right. the make people awesome. Yes, and then um, you've got, uh, what's the hand symbol? That's the... That's, um, that's, that's, well, that's the empathy, that's, oh, sorry, that's create. Yeah, create that's something. create. Yes. Mm -hmm. Create yes. something, which, that's the sort of, I mean, if you think about delivering value continuously, yeah. that can be in code or yep. it can be in prototypes or yep. it can be in anything that we learn from. Yeah. So. Well, I learned yeah. the feature fake technique from you. I called it feature fake. I think you called it something else. No, the feature stub, feature fake, uh, yeah. fake doors is a good one. Yeah. yeah. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. This is actually how I first learned about you was some people went, came back from the Lean Startup Conference and said, oh, there's this woman named Laura Klein talking about this stuff. It was brilliant. I was like, I need to meet her. And then um, I think, and they actually, I hadn't even met you, but they were talking about a feature fake concept. I think within a day or two, I was doing it on our project, on our actual product, our e-learning. Um, and then I think I wrote about it. Yeah, no, but I love, yeah, it's, I, it's, it was great. So that is an example of doing something really fast and quick to get feedback mm -hmm. and not actually building it first, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then the validation and measurement is you know just very much experimenting and learning rapidly from right. it, and just techniques for that. Yeah. Um, and so it's validation and measurement. Yes. I don't talk much about the making the safety a prerequisite, um, mm -hmm. although I do have my last chapter is uh, does include um, a lot of stuff about sort of good teams and how good teams, good cross-functional teams work together. Right. I have the concept of the heist team, and I did a talk at Mind the Product about. I like I want to be on a heist team where there are just there's a, a team of expert you're also going to learn that i am mostly focused on heist movies um, <laughs> it's really I, heist heist movies so yeah you know like stealing. we're no oh. i mean yes but no i i don't like the ceiling part but i like the like 
you know, we're all coming together for one yeah. last job. And right. it's a team of oh, experts. Oh, I love and that. everybody's an expert and everybody knows what everybody else is doing and everybody trusts each other. Mm-hmm. To Like, I don't tell the safe cracker how to crack a safe. No, no. Because no. Right. I'm That's, the getaway driver right. and right. my job is to drive the getaway car. Yeah. You got to trust that I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if something goes wrong, and something always goes wrong, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> always in a heist. Heist, man. I love this metaphor. You know, like if something like if something goes wrong, we've got to be ready to like adjust, yeah, and adjust. we've all got to be smart enough and know. Um, and yeah. we all have this really clear goal. Yeah. Like we know what bank we're hitting. Right. We know <laughs> what this. we know why we're doing it. Yeah. Like because that's when the gold gets delivered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's super important. Really cool. And also just an excuse to watch ice movies. Yeah. Oceans. There 11 are through 13. Oceans Eleven. There are great movies like this. <laughs> I love it. Um, Cool. Well, um, all right. So we have to form heist teams, folks. That's, heist teams. That's the new thing, heist teams. That is beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the safety part, you know, I mean, I think that's all, everything you talk about is about how to not, like, it's risk management, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. a good risk management. Like, yeah. how do you, if you're working without a goal or you're working without empathy for your user, you're not safe. No. I mean, you're building stuff that, like, doesn't really meet the needs of the users. How could it possibly? I mean, if it does, it's just complete luck. Right. And I, I'm not a lucky person. All right. So you address. <laughs> I think you also address this with your um, your user map. I think your user yes. map is a safety technique. That makes sense. Okay, that's interesting. What, so tell us about the user map. Okay. So the user map is a visual representation of um, 16 questions that hmm. I found um, have to be answered over the course of your product's lifecycle and, and developing your product. And it's everything from things like you know, how do you communicate to your user? Like what kind of messaging actually works right. with your specific user um, to things like, you know, what what specific problem are you actually solving? And then things like, you know, why is your user going to keep using this 10 years from now? Right. Like what, how do they grow? How do they, how does this product grow and how does it improve the user's life? And it's, wow. the interesting thing is that all of these questions hopefully there is some answer to somewhere at your company. Mm-hmm. I've found that many times they live in different places, which is why it's in little segments. We call this, we call the picture you, uh, on the podcast, of course you can't see it. There's a picture. <laughs> but there's a picture. Um, if you go to the Rosenfeld Media Flickr site and look for Laura Klein or Build Better Products, you can actually get the download for this. It's pretty high quality. We can post it during the uh, video editing portion. Oh. Um, and so, but there are these five segments and the five segments, like if you think about it, the, there's a channels and influencer section that probably your marketing person knows all about. Mm, like yes. they know all about what channels do we use to communicate with people mm, and mm. you know, who, who helps them make decisions. So they know about the product to begin with. We would. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then things like, you know, the context of use is one of the sections and that mm. should be something like, how is your product being used? Is mm-hmm. it being used I mean, you know, in yes. an office or in a bedroom or mm-hmm. in a, on a train? But also, is it being used five minutes at a time? Is it being used five hours at a time? Is Mm -hmm. it being used once a year? These are things your UX designer hopefully knows Mm -hmm. and has studied intensely. So Mm -hmm. anyway, there's there's all these different questions. And the goal is just to, um, you know, get get the answers to them and to acknowledge when you don't know the answer. Right. Right. That's real important because sometimes the answer is going to be, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody else. And you know what? Hmm. Great. That section's going to be empty. Hmm. and you're going to figure it out. Tell me about this. So you have goals and purchase intent. Yes. And the, then there's time and money. <laughs> so there's um, there's something that you have to think about when you're building a product um, that 
is the intent to, uh, a, a human's intent to purchase something. And the idea is that if they, if somebody has shown intent to pay somebody to solve a problem that they have, they are much more likely to pay you <laughs> to solve the problem, especially if they haven't found the right answer to it. Right. It's, it's a different sort of thing to think about than just, like, I, basically I hear, people, I, I hear people talk all the time about like, oh, they don't even know they have the problem. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, you could solve that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You could do that, but it's just much, much, much easier to sell something to somebody who's actually searching for a, searching a, for a, a real solution problem. Yeah. to a problem. Yeah. yeah. It's a good point. I mean, I, I um, like I, I'm I'm in love with this new feature in Gmail, the smart reply. Oh yeah, you, you love know, it. The three little buttons. What do, what do you love about it? Well, well, it just saves me time. I mean, okay. anything that can really save me time, mm -hmm. I love. And mm -hmm. the fact that they're analyzing my email. This is Google's smart reply feature in mm -hmm. Gmail. The fact that they're analyzing my text. It's anonymous. I've talked to Googlers. It's all anonymous. So <laughs> it's not like they're you know compiling data about me. But they know how I reply. Like I might say no worries or, mm -hmm. you know, so they know how, and it just, it just makes me go faster. So, I mean, I, I'd love to see my percentage of time that I actually use it. I know mm -hmm. sometimes I'll click it and then I add a little more to mm -hmm. the, the response, but the fact that it can save me time, there's, so there are some times where I, I have to press two things and I'm done. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past I had to type mm -hmm. two buttons that is press one of the options and then hit the send button. I'm done. Yeah. It's real nice for when you're triaging, you know, emails, maybe from bed in the morning, which is totally something I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like uh, anything I actually have to wake up for? Nope, right. great. Oh, that one, great, click. Right, yeah. exactly, and you're done. Yes, yeah. the quick ones. Yeah, I'm a fan. It's helped a lot, yeah. So yeah, uh -huh. um, so this, so, okay, so the user map, 16 questions that helps you map out many different things from the, from the channels in marketing to the ultimate use of this thing and then mm -hmm. even down to the future, mm -hmm. how's this gonna help you in the future? So yeah. you're really getting a broad perspective. And the, and, one of the things that we tried to do is that, you know, it's not just one user map because very few products actually just have one uh, specific user. Yeah. And I love personas. I yes. actually really do. I think that mm -hmm. um, I have seen them abused um, very often. Yeah. I think they're a little hard to do for a lot of people, which mm -hmm. is unfortunate because I think they're an incredibly powerful tool. Yeah. Um, I think they get screwed up in exactly the same way at every place and it drives me. Mm. How do people uh, screw them up? What, what do they do? Um, you know, it's demographics mm -hmm. or, you know, there's way too much detail that isn't really relevant, relevant yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or my favorite is, and this is entirely about UX designers, it's on a big fancy poster oh, with God, like I've seen beautiful those. fonts and it's like, and it feels like a thing that's like, that took six months to create and then nobody ever looks at it and it can't, it can't grow. Like it can't, and yeah, it should be on a whiteboard probably, right? Yes, Where you can actually erase and change and yes, then adapt. Yes. If you, yeah, if you look at the, the final version of this, it's oh, sticky yeah. notes. Like oh, the yeah. whole point is you got to have a sticky note. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you should be able to do this. And here's the thing. None of those are inherent to personas. It's beautiful. Um, I like doing personas or even provisional personas mm -hmm. and then doing a user map for each one. I see. And sometimes if you're answering these questions, you realize the persona that you have is maybe really two people. Right. Or maybe two, like, oh, all these answers are really the same. Maybe it's yeah. just one. Like, yeah. maybe I yeah. personaed wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I remember, so you you at some point helped us with our e-learning where we were mm -hmm. analyzing usage and we were thinking about different kinds of students. And we, we ended up with, I think, four different kinds of users. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was fascinating to, to come from that different perspective. And talk about make people awesome. 
who are we making awesome? Yeah. Right? I mean, like you have to understand yeah. the different kinds of people that are in your pipeline. And, you know, that was, as you pointed out several years ago, you might have entirely different, you might have a new group of people who came in who yeah. you might have, and it's, and it's not always, you know, like people with no software experience versus people with lots, oh it, my God. you know, and it's yeah. not always like big company versus small company. It's behavioral. It's yeah. how people learn, yeah. or it's what the structure of the environment in which they are learning, or right. what they need to learn. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was. That I mean, the mistake we made was we didn't gather enough data about the people who were like in our e-learning. Like we didn't, I, I, we didn't know if they were male or female. We didn't know how long they'd been in the software industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, some basics. So, mm -hmm. do you recommend for most products that people gather as much data as possible about a user? I think. I think um, as long as it's relevant. Like, actually, yeah. I don't know if male or female matters. It might. I, it's hard yeah. to say. It's one of those things. I, you know, because we know. never analyzed it. We never said, well, males answer this way and females answer that way on quizzes. I mean, we never looked at that. No. Because we don't have the data. No. And it not, might, and it it might, might not, not matter. Be, it might not it matter. Might not matter. It yeah. might be more of a learning styles thing. And um, if mm -hmm. there, But if there's a learning styles thing, like, it might be people who take a long time and really, like, focus on or people who really like the, you know, personal attention mm. versus people who very much want, you know, Leave like, me alone. yeah, <laughs> I think that some of the, like, you know, uh, whether you read it or you listen to it, I don't know how important that is. Um, but you know, it's how, you know, how much attention are people really paying to this? What are their, what are their learning goals? Yes. You know, I yes. think those matter. And yeah. I think that some of those you can get quantitatively, some you have to get qualitatively. Some yeah. You just have to talk to humans. Right. Which I know is not always everybody's favorite thing to do. So here's a topic that I find <laughs> to be, uh, talking about talking to humans. So in, in, in some processes in Agile, there's a product owner. Mm. They know everything because they're omniscient. <laughs> so I have a big problem with that, of course. What? And I think that... <laughs> I think as several people have said, uh, Jeff, Jeff Patton, I believe, says this and some others, it's a team sport. Yeah. Product ownership is a team sport. Mm -hmm. That an engineer could have a perfectly awesome idea to maybe as a hypothesis or an experiment to try that they came up with with an insight about potential users, mm -hmm. right? So w what's your take on the product owner role? Um, I may actually be less opposed to it than you are, although I am very fond of collaborative co cross-functional teams and all of that, and I want yes. that, and I always want everybody on the team to understand why we are doing what we are doing. Yes. I don't have a problem with a single person being the one to make the final decision about yes right. or no, Agreed. but Agreed. absolutely, yes. let's get input from everybody at the level that they want to contribute. I mm -hmm. have certain, I may or may not live with an engineer, who really has no interest in talking to the end user necessarily. How, how is that possible? Because like to me that well, that's that puts you at risk. And I, sh I should say that's not entirely fair. He only builds things for other engineers and he actually ah, is very okay. good at talking to other so, engineers. But okay. yeah. So his, so, his user is so an, another yet. engineer. Yeah. So it's, right. it's a little easier at that point. He right. sort of knows like everybody wants the build faster. He doesn't have to talk to a lot of people to find that out. Right. <laughs> no. That's right. <laughs> good if you make it faster, they're happy. They're happy. You can tell. Right. Um, a lot of feedback there. But uh, no, I mean, some engineers want, you know, don't necessarily want to contribute, mm -hmm. you know, end user. Yeah. Features that's mm -hmm. not their thing, but right. they absolutely should be giving input into the way that we build something, mm -hmm. or you know the the right models to use, or you know oh what if we tried this? I, you know, mm -hmm. so everybody can contribute right something mm -hmm. um, to the design, and if they want to 
you know, make suggestions for features, great. Yeah. Like as long as they understand the user well and they right. understand what problem they're solving, yeah. I want I want input from everybody. Yeah, I mean you talk about empathy. It's like yeah. like everyone can have some empathy in different ways. Yeah. Especially if they're really empathizing with the end users. Yeah. I mean, also you talk about like you know the the stakeholder having companies that make money from products. You can yeah. empathize with the investors, yeah. the executives well, who are putting their neck on the line. I have been trying to get, especially UX designers. It drives me nuts when UX designers do this. I have been trying to get UX designers to to focus on the fact that not just your end users are your users. Mm. The engineers are users of. A thing that you make. That's right. Right. If you make a prototype yep. or a deliverable, so people ask me, "Oh, well, what's the right way to present this?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Have you talked to the people who will be using it?" <laughs> it's right. a thing. Or they say, "Well, how do I get such and such to change their minds about this?" They're just, "Oh, they're being terrible and they're making these terrible decisions." And I said, "Well, have you tried to understand why they're making those decisions?" Mm. I mean, sometimes the answer is because they make terrible decisions. Sometimes that happens. Right. <laughs> but that, it's a good thing to know. Um, and sometimes they're, you know, working toward different goals than you are. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you need to know that too. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah. So everybody everybody is a user of what you're making. So treat them like users and yeah. interview them and care about them and understand their goals. Sounds important. I mean, it's everything you're mentioning is like, it's just pure gold. It's like, you know, goals, empathy, um, measurement, or building something and iterating on it, measurement. Mm -hmm. Metrics. You did have a recent podcast where you said that what, statistics, statistics are bullshit. Statistics are bullshit just because just I like to piss people what, off occasionally. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean generalized statistics are Generalized bullshit. statistics. Uh, the the okay. example, 25% of people. Blah, 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 I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, 50% of millennials are, I, I don't care. Right. Yes. And if they want to kill Applebee's, that's on them. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Go for it, millennials. Please kill more stuff. Um, most of it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but... No, I, I think that this sort of aggregate statistics tend to be bullshit, and I like much more specific ones. The, the example that I gave, there was a um, uh, cancer treatment that um, was not testing well, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, this, this doesn't work at all. And then somehow they figured out that it was 100, like 100% effective at knocking out a specific kind of cancer for somebody who had a specific gene, which was like 4% of okay. cancers, which okay. of course, That's still... if it's only knocking out 4% of cancers, it's going to do terribly in yes. a big study. Right. But if you're in that 4%, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a miracle. boy, do you want that? Because yes. it's just like, oh, here's your drug, right? Yes. Um, so being able to focus more narrowly in on, oh, this only is good at 4% of the time, which right. is not very good, versus this is good 100% of the time for 4% of people, well, mm -hmm. that's a lot of people. So be careful with statistics, basically, yeah. and generalized statistics. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And also, I had to take the class like three times, and I was never great at it. <laughs> well, yeah, we've talked about um, <laughs> the difficulties of things like um, Google Analytics and how hard it is. You're like, you're an oh. expert in this and just figuring out the metrics out of that thing. Uh, yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't even consider myself an expert in it. I sort of know enough to know what I don't know. So I know enough to think of myself as terrible at it. Mm -hmm. What worries me is the people who think that they're great. They think, they think that they understand what it's saying, and they make decisions based upon that. That's dangerous. Isn't yeah, it? I think that it's it really speaks to when you're setting up any kind of experiment, whether mm -hmm. it's statistical, whether it's you know A/B testing or you know any any yeah. kind of experiment, yeah. that you understand what your goals are and you understand what success mm -hmm. looks like ahead of time, yeah. and um, you you can say to yourself, if 
this happens, that is a good thing. And if this right. happens, that is a bad outcome. And this means we should keep going. And this means we should stop. And you have an entire chapter called Measure Better. I do. Which is yeah. all filled with, uh, filled with things like wisdom. What are, what are cohorts? And yeah, right. like real basic stuff. Um, How to actually do a good job at this. Yeah. And does it help you define better experiments? Okay, well that's really important. If you're gonna experiment and learn rapidly, hopefully you're doing a good experiment. If, if I ever write another book and I refuse to write another book, I really wanna do the little book of experiments. It's just like- I love it. Just like, you know, a hundred different experiments that people have actually run and what they did and I would buy what that. happened. That sounds really good. See, this is how, See, this this is is how, how it I, starts. This is how it starts, this is where it happens. <laughs> this is where it all goes, but I think it'd be helpful. It would be very helpful. I think you. somebody should write that. Yeah, <laughs> on a walking desk. Yes. <laughs> Well, um, it's been wonderful having you. It's been great. Thank you for being here. And um, this was episode 12. Please subscribe and share this with others. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for watching.